0: hello everybody welcome to another episode of dropping the gloves thanks for joining us another week tim it's almost christmas time it's a nice brisk feel outside how you doing how's north carolina treating you
1: it's good uh i was i was noticing that a week two weeks from today i think is
0: christmas something like that have you done any shopping yet um no no but i have a list The internet's so convenient; you can literally wait to the last possible minute and just have it delivered. So it's very convenient to be a not necessarily buyer. Why not? Just because it gets crazy. I don't think Amazon guarantees stuff this time of year. Just because they give you the date where they can deliver it by, will be delivered by a certain day. I should do it today. I'm not do. I don't do big presents for my wife because I don't buy for the kids really. Just because it's a lot. She does. And it, it's you got to buy for all of them or you buy for none of them. And she's she's buying for the kids, but I'll buy for her. And I just uh, we're doing a bunch of little things. So I don't the big thing is going to be I'll buy the big thing for the kids. And I don't, don't want to say on the show because who knows who listens to this show? Maybe my kids do. Maybe one of their friends does. I don't know. But I'm going to buy something big. And then hopefully Santa comes through because I'm not buying much. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Santa's got to pick up the slack somewhere along the way. But no, it's exciting. What are you doing for Christmas?
1: I'll be going home. We're uh, because my brother's wedding just happened and everyone just spent a ton of money, especially him and my mom. I think we're probably going to keep it pretty small this year in the way of gifts and just focus on quality time and family stuff.
0: So, yeah, we're driving up uh, Levi and I next week. That's exciting. Yeah, my parents just left. They were in town first time in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And they got a hotel with a pool. I tell you what, my kids in that pool, in the pool the whole week. It was, well, they came on a Wednesday. They left yesterday. They were in the, oh, oh, indoor pool. Indoor indoor pool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, not an outdoor pool. It could, could be heated, I guess. But no, the kids in the pool, good seeing my parents. It was nice catching up. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Anything else you want to touch on, Tim, before we get to the NHL action? No, let's talk hockey. So let's do a little roundup here. Lots of action, lots of stuff to talk about. It it's that time of year where there's just you look at the schedule, and every single night there's like five games, there's eight games, there's ten games, every single night there's something happening. And there's a game, what was it last night? Flames Leafs. If you would have asked me before the season to predict a Stanley Cup and have an educated guess and think of, you know, pick pick a two teams that so you think could make the Stanley Cup, this would have been it. The Leafs, obviously, they got the talent. They are just primed and ready. They've had, obviously, everybody knows the failures the last 15 years. Losing in the first round, they suck. They got a chip on their shoulder. Calgary Flames, same scenario. Lost their two superstars this offseason. Massive chip on their shoulder. Everybody thought they were going to regress. They go out, they rebuild, they retool. They should have been back better than ever. While one team has lived up to the billing, another team has just struggled. Calgary Flames, I don't know what to make of this team. I, I really don't. They can't score goals one night. their goaltending's terrible and their defense is good. And their goaltending and their goal scorers can't score the next night. Their goaltenders are great. And their defense is terrible. That was a, as was the case last night when Daryl Sutter was just ripping apart their defensemen. they cannot seem to get a consistent effort on the other page. The Toronto Maple Leafs started the season inconsistent, same old, same old. We had Steve Dangle on the show. We said, this team is done. Stick a fork in them. I can't trust them anymore. Then they rattle off a million wins in a row, even while losing their goaltenders, even while losing three of their four, of their top four defensemen, and they're still winning. Going into the game versus the Calgary Flames. Pretty good game, all in all, I would say. The, this is the thing the Calgary Flames do. They play, I think they play to the competition because they, they played the Columbus Blue Jackets last night and they lost 3-1. And it was just like, what are we doing here? They go and play the Toronto Maple Leafs and they lose 5-4 in overtime. But it was a great game. But there were some issues here. People were having a, a little bit of an issue with the referee, Tim. The penalty disparity, the timing of the penalties, the penalties themselves. Break down what the issue is issue is here with the penalties.
1: Yeah, uh I had a few DMs about this one, people complaining. and I saw, obviously, a lot of commentary on Twitter, Leafs fans upset, including a uh, friend of the show, not a friend of the show, listener of the show, Dale, who I talked to here and there. And he pointed this out, and he's and he's, a, hes a Flames fan. And basically, it's a game in Toronto, Hockey Night in Canada broadcasts. You kind of know that Toronto's going to get the swings. And so even when Hannafin scored in the third, and they go out four to three in the third, the lead never feels safe. And I think there's – I don't want to sound like a like a tin hat conspiracy theorist. I think there's definitely the Leafs will get some calls. You can say the same thing about Boston. <clears throat> and Steve Dangle even posted the stuff on Twitter over the weekend about all teams. The data is there that all teams always get the, the better calls at home. Fine. But, yeah kind of questionable. That late one that led to the bunting goal that tied it up. And then off the opening face-off in overtime, Huberdo, sort of incidental contact with uh, – was it Sandine or Engvall, and <clears throat> gets the uh, stick in the face, and like, he sold it a little bit. You can tell Sutter wasn't happy. It's probably a penalty, unfortunate series of events, and then of course they go on to score in the power play, and the game's over. And what I feel like the flame for the most part, the fans especially feel like they had a-, a game taken away from them by the refs.
0: Well, what do you think? Do you agree with this, you know, conspiracy theory that Toronto always gets the? The good side of the calls, the refs always give them the benefit of the doubt, whether it's a 50-50 call, it always goes Toronto's way, especially on Hockey Night in Canada. Because Daryl Sutter, he he did not even mix words. He not so subtly said, that's the one thing I learned a long time ago. When you're in Chicago all those years ago when you come to Toronto and you know what goes on, I won't say nothing more. But he said it in his Daryl Sutter way where he's kind of just, that's the one thing I learned, I won't say nothing more where it's just like you have to get an interpreter to understand what he's saying. But do you agree with this? Do you think this is a legit thing that the referees, the NHL, Gary Bettman are colluding to make sure Toronto a wins on hockey night in Canada, which is the biggest hockey night of the year on the biggest channel for the NHL and b that Toronto is a successful team that makes makes the playoffs and has, you know, a long playoff run this year. Well, obviously I don't think the playoffs tie into this because they've lost a million years in a row, but a, the first part. Do you think that the refs are in cahoots with the Leafs trying to get them uh, power play every now and again?
1: Um, It's hard to say if it's like a legit operative conspiracy and there's an actual like command that comes down from the top. I think some of it happens naturally. And I, and there's a reason that I think uh, so here's Steve Dangle's stat that he <clears> shared. <throat> Since 16, 2016 17, so over the last five years, the Leafs are 16th in penalt- penalty differential at home. And the Flames are 17. So they're pretty much dead even. They're within one penalty of each other. And in those five years, only two teams in the entire league have had a positive penalty differential on the road. That was the Florida and Chicago. All other teams are getting more calls against them on the road than for them. And so, it's yes, you could say it's true for the Leafs. I understand it's a frustrating loss for the Flames fans. But I think it's it's a a league-wide thing. I don't think it's specific to Toronto.
0: Yeah, I agree uh there can't be a conspiracy right you always watch these recap videos of people oh it's it's a rigged game this is why the nfl is not real and it's fake and they say it about the nhl i i played in the nhl i had never once seen a referee so egregiously call a penalty for another team over and over and over again referees are human they're influenced so whether it was daryl sutter just being on the referees all night or a certain player or the fans in the crowd booing him when they call a penalty for, you know, the Calgary Flames and they're reacting and saying, you know, what? in the back of their head, maybe we should call one for Toronto. We've got we, we got to even this up. Well, that's the thing. Go, go ahead.
1: That's that's a loaded statement. You just said because what you're talking about, this is what Tim Peel got in trouble for and hit, why his career ended a little bit early because you're the refs controlling the game through the way they call penalties and the idea of a makeup call, for example, we're like, okay, we've called three in a row against the flame. Now we, now we owe them one, no matter what happens on the ice, they, they're already thinking about how they can even it up. Or say you have a, a, a goal that gets disallowed that shouldn't have, or a penalty that was questionable. You know, the next call that could go either way is going to go in their favor to quote unquote, even it out. And that's
0: a lot of people take issue with that. Well, that's the, it's what happens. You could I can honestly say this happens all the time where if a team goes into the intermission and you're up by two, if you're up by three, there are talks going around the locker room saying, "Okay, we have to be extra careful with our sticks. We have to be extra careful with our position because the next call will go against us. And it happens every game. If if it's a if it's a blowout or some teams getting embarrassed, the refs won't pile on that team. That's why you can see the other team getting a little more liberal with their sticks. They're getting a little more aggressive. They're trying to change momentum. And they're not getting called for those penalties, but it's, it happens every single, well, not every game because some games are close, but most games, when the teams are up by two or three or four goals, the refs will try to even it up. They'll try to make it an interesting game. Now, I don't know if that's from the top. I don't think it is because there, there'd be too much ramifications. If one of these refs ever did get fired, Or something happened, and like Tim Peel could go scorched earth if something ever happened like that, where he got fired and he said, you know what? Here comes all the receipts. I got stuff from this one, this one, this one. This guy told me this. So I don't think it would ever happen like that. What I think happens is the human emotions come into play. The referee's like, gosh, this is a bad game. Like, this, this is a really lopsided game. We need to make this even. And so the referees in the back of their head, maybe they don't do it consciously. Maybe it's subconsciously where they're just like, we need to help this team out. I feel bad. It's one, nothing, two, nothing, three, nothing, four, nothing. Do you think they're going to continue to give power plays to the team? That's just cranking away power play goals. I don't think so. That's where the human element comes in and people might hate that. But at the end of the day, it makes games interesting. It gives the other teams a little bit more hope. And then that's just the way it works. Everybody wants to help the person that needs help. You're not going to give the guy who's up by four goals, more opportunities to pile on. It is what it is. And everybody understands it. All the players understand it. All the coaches understand it. That's why my coach will give me the tap. If we're down three or four, he's like, all right, just go for it. You're not going to get a penalty unless you do something egregious. So you can give the goalie a shot. You can try to start fights. You can face wash, face wash in the scrums and you won't get called. But if it's a, if it's an even game or if I'm winning, I'm getting two, four minute penalties. So it it completely changes how you play the game, the score. And it shouldn't be that way. Ideally, it's just blinders on referees and they just call the play. And you're not affected by the score. You're not influenced by anything. And you call a penalty, a penalty, and you call plays as they're supposed to be. But it's not how it goes. And you see it in football, too. If a team's down, you saw it in the uh, gosh, Tom Brady came back and then the Dallas. Co- you see it in football. If, if a team's trying to come back, they get a few more flags. The refs help them out a little bit. And The same thing happens in hockey. They get a couple more power plays and away we go. So it, the human element is very much real. And if we don't want that, if you don't like that, get the refs off the ice or just keep the refs for offsides and icings. And you have someone in the stands calling penalties. You have a neutral observer who has no, not on the ice, not maybe not even in the rink. He's in Toronto. And you call a penalty, you call down, the light goes on above the penalty box, and that's a penalty. But even then, they might be swayed as well. I don't know what the answer is, but I don't think you'll ever take that human element out of the game. And I don't mind it. I really don't. So what are you going to do?
1: I don't either. And if you're the one benefiting from this, you're probably not too upset about it. it. Mostly evens out. And and then even with that game, there were 18 penalty minutes in minors for the Flames. And or sorry, six sixteen, 16 and then eight for the Leafs, uh, seven to four in penalties, one of the Flames with a double minor. And so, yeah, that's pretty lopsided. But if you over the course of the season, it tends to even out. So I understand this is the frustrating loss. But what are you going to do?
0: I think the Flames, They're listen, they're in a funk. There's something going on with this team. It's funny. I looked at the box score afterwards. I like to check how the minutes squared out, which, which forwards are playing a little more, which defensemen are playing a little more. The Leafs defensemen, they just roll them. Like they literally, all of them played 20 minutes apiece except for the bottom two because the top four played 20 minutes exactly. And the bottom two only played 13 and 14 minutes. And I said, what's going on here? That's when I looked at the power play penalty kills and because the Leafs used their forwards on the power play. Now that Riley's out, so they go predominantly five forwards on the power play. So I was like, ooh, that's interesting. But, yeah. who can, Like, honestly, when – and here's the issue that gets bad the around in Calgary. Daryl Sutter's a great coach. Multiple Stanley Cup winner with the LA Kings. Has not had the kind of success – that one would expect in Calgary with the talent that he has had. When is, when is his time up? Because he's, he's a certain, he's a very John Tortorella S coach. He expects you to do something. If you don't do it, you're going to get benched. He has a certain type of message. If we lose, I'm going to bag skate you. He's just a very old school type coach. He's not bringing any new age ideas. They have a very simple four check, a very simple D zone. When is that? kind of message dry up and when do the players stop responding? And when does it come to a point where the the GM says, hey man, like I gotta let you go because this is a high end team. We're supposed to compete for a Stanley Cup. And I'm looking at the standings right now. And if the playoffs started today, we would not be in it. And we're supposed to compete for a Stanley Cup. We brought in Kadri We brought in Huberto, we brought in Uyghur, we re-signed everybody, we're relocked, we reloaded, and we're losing. Is Sutter on the chopping block? Should he be?
1: He's gotta be. I'm sure he's had those conversations. Not you know, maybe he's not quite losing his job territory yet, but I'm sure he knows that the GM is in place of them. And if you look at like you gotta give him a little bit of extra leeway just because of who he is and, and his and his track record, and also just the situation that he found himself in where their top six got completely reworked, retooled. Overnight, basically. And that takes a little time to settle out. like we're seeing, like Huberto is a much better player than 17 points in 25 games. Kadri is much better. Than, well, I'd say maybe not much better, but he's, he's still finding his, his way. And so and you got guys like Toffoli, Yeah, Okay. Lindholm, Lindholm's a goal scorer. He's had multiple 40 goal seasons. He's got nine so far. And so I think they're better than this. And uh, you also bring it back to that Pacific division. They could one good week puts him back in second place. You know what I mean? Like it's so close. So I think they'll be fine, and I, I don't think that they it would have to be much worse than this for them to let him go.
0: I think. And then you mentioned Huberto. At what point can we say that this system doesn't work for Jonathan Huberto? You know, because Johnny Gaudreau, he he he's there to he's there to replace Johnny Gaudreau. Johnny Gaudreau drove the play. He facilitated. He's a he was an excellent hockey player. Maybe Huberto isn't that guy. Maybe he just fit in nicely in Florida's system and he had some good supplementary players around him who complimented him very, very well. I don't know. I don't think he is. And I, I just, I'm going to give him, you know, the benefit of a doubt based on his history, but gosh, he's not performing at all, Tim,
1: at all. And, and going back to Johnny, we haven't talked about him at all, basically, since the trade. I haven't heard any headlines about him. I assumed he was struggling too. No. Looked it up. 31 points in
0: 27 games on a really bad team. Like what? Both guys, both guys, the flames gave up are playing fantastic. Yeah. Kachuk and Johnny are playing great. They haven't lost a step. They haven't skipped a beat. They've yeah. Like you mentioned, Goodroll's on a bad Columbus team and he is playing great. Kachuk's on a very good, well, not a very good, like a a mediocre Florida team at the, at the time he's playing very good. And cadre, even Uyghur is not playing that great. So I, I don't know what needs to happen in Calgary. I really don't. They have the horses in the barn, but they're not playing well. Is that the coach's fault? Well, I don't know. Something something should change because this is too good of a team to be wallowing at 10th place in the Western Conference. It doesn't, it doesn't cut it. And I, I hate – and I like Daryl Sutter. Did you know I made the All-Star game? <laughs> I did. He was the coach for that All-Star game. I really got a chance to talk to him great guy so i have a lot of respect for him i have a lot of respect for what he's done but at what point do you have to just cut bait and say you know what i know you got the hall of fame resume i know you're going to be a first ballot hall of famer all that aside i know you got the stanley cups you're going to have your name in the rafters at one point for somebody but we got to let you go it's it's not working i think if you need to make that change it has to happen now the flames are mired in a massive slump they can't seem to figure out why they can't score. Markstrom is terrible. He's not playing well. He'll have one good outing, then the next five will be just junk. The defense is the same. They're they're playing okay, and then they throw a stinker in like last. Yeah, something needs to change there, Tim, because this team is too good. The opportunity is there. The Western Conference, like we mentioned a lot, is weak. So they can dig out of this hole. So it's not hopeless for them. Whereas if they're in the Eastern Conference, like Florida, I think, has a harder road to get to the playoffs than Calgary does right now. Would you agree?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that... It's just the East is just so much stronger. I think at least deeper and Florida is not going to have an easy time winning those points back when they're playing teams like Tampa and Boston and Toronto and all those other teams basically every night. And even the teams that are quote unquote bad in their division, Montreal, Buffalo, Buffalo, those are, those are not easy matchups. Those are not nights off like they used to be. And Ottawa, even, I think, is 5-4-1 in their last 10. Like, they're, they're a solid team, too. All those teams are winning, have a winning record in their last 10. So, we're just to, to get
0: those points. Who knows? You got to beat the teams ahead of you. And right now, they're not doing it. But back to the Flames. I think they'll be fine. I think you let – this is what I would do. I let Daryl Soto Drew was saying, and I just let him play the season. I think they'll be fine. Just get to the playoffs. That's all you want to do at this point. Make every, make sure everybody's healthy. I think you've got a good team that's built for the playoffs. Strong down the middle, very good back end. And hopefully, Tim, Markstrom finds his game. Because right now, it's Vlader's net. Or Vlader?
1: Vladar. Vladar. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, on, do you have do you have Markstrom in fantasy? Probably. I, I have yeah. all the
0: bad goalies from Canada.
1: You have Demko and Campbell. Yeah,
0: None of those guys even have their job anymore. Campbell's not the starter. Just kidding. It's no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, I, I probably have Markstrom. I don't know, but I'm going to hold on to him because he has to turn it around. He's too good. He's going to rattle off like three shutouts in a row, and the Flames are going on a ten game winning streak, and they'll be fine. They're going through some growing pains. They're trying to figure out the first and second line where everybody fits. Right. That's a, you. You have to hope for that if you're a Calgary's Flame fan. If not. And this team doesn't work, then you're in trouble for the next five to eight years. You really are, because you have hitched your court, you know, cart to Huberto. That's your guy, him, Lindholm, Weegar. This is your team. If it doesn't work this year, oh my gosh, we are in trouble. But the, to talk about the Leafs, though, they've won three in a row. They haven't lost in the last ten. They look pretty good. They're missing three of their top four defensemen. Tim Stanley Cup or bust for this team.
1: Well, I saw it looks like the way things are shaking. They're destined for another first round matchup against the, the uh, Lightning, which is that's a tough one to draw. And they've obviously never beat that team in the playoffs. So I don't know. I It's hard to me to get. Does this feel like a different team? No, no, feel like a better team. Maybe. But is that enough to get past a really good team in the playoffs? I don't know. I don't know. And and, and which goal is going to do it for you? I don't know. I don't know.
0: Well, right now, it's got to be Murray, you would think, yeah. the way he's played the last couple of weeks. But again, things change fast in the NHL. He could turn around and go on an eight-game losing streak, and he stinks, but <sighs> I really can't wrap my head around the Leafs. I, re- I really can't. I, I said it before this season. They're a great team. I expect them to make the Stanley Cup Finals. I really do. I hope they do. It'd be fun to watch. All right. What's next? I'm,
1: keeping a, I'm keeping a respectful distance from the least. I'm not getting too involved. You, know? you don't want
0: to get hurt. I agree. Yeah. You've been hurt too many times. I've been there. I've got to protect myself. You do. You really do. It's sometimes, you know, definition of insanity. All right. Yeah. Washington Capitals, Tim. What are they doing?
1: It's a similar thing. I feel like I, I'm, I'm setting myself up for failure a little bit, but I, I the Caps, as much as we like to r- butt our heads with the Capitals fans on this, on this show, they're a team I think we haven't spent enough time talking about. They have a quote unquote. While well, you're shaking your head.
0: Why would we talk about them?
1: Okay. They have seven, two, and one in their last ten. The Oveskin doing his goal thing, his goal scoring thing. They won four straight. He's he's on a 46 goal pace. Like he is not slowed down even a little bit. And and Darcy Kemper, who we talked about being like an average goalie who who, you know, struck gold in Colorado, he's eight and nine. Not great. But he's... Two and a half goals a game, nine sixteen save percentage, two shutouts. He's been actually pretty good this year. And their backup, I'm forgetting who it is, has also been pretty solid. I think this is a team that they are one point out of a playoff spot right now. So they very easily could make their way back into it. I think we need to be a little, a little bit more aware of this group. No,
0: we don't. Well, all only does is score empty netters. That's all he does this season. He's five in like the last 10 days or something. Yeah, it's a joke. So like uh, for he's going to get a bunch of empty this stupid coach every time they get an empty net he throws him out there and he just takes a 2 minute long shift. You know, he's not even thinking about the team. He's thinking about his goals at this point. He just it's a joke. But no, I'm sure I, that's uh, not true. Washington is a good team. They're a good team.
1: Are are they? Yeah.
0: I'm surprised to hear that from you. Well, they have good players. When you look at their lineup, they're a good team. They got Strom. They got Shiri Ovechkin. You got Anthony Mantha, who came over in the trade with Detroit. Lars Eller is always there. He's a jerk. TJ Oshie. <laughs> could, that stuff. Like they have good players, right? No, you're they're not back in. What? You're not a joke, John. I really don't like Lars Eller as a human being. <laughs> He's a good hockey player, but as a human. If I saw him in an alley and he was thirsty and he had had a drink of water for five days, I'd, I'd spit in his mouth. Now, we might edit that out. That's that's aggressive. I would help him out. But, they, you know, they're not one of the elite contenders in the East. They're a good team. And what do I always say? What do, are we what are we in it for? We're we're in it to win the Stanley Cup. They're not going to win the Stanley Cup. They're not. So they're just for sacrificing draft position right? at, at this point. They're going to land around the 15, 16 mark of the draft, and they're going to get some mediocre first rounder who maybe, you know, slots in as a third line player. That's it. So what's the point, right? What what are we doing here? Backstrom's out. Tom Wilson's out. You're missing Darcy Kempfer. He's not playing anymore. You have a couple more injuries. I think uh, Hagelin and Browner haven't been playing. So you're still playing well in spite of all those injuries. Good for them. That's it. Like I don't. It's not like they're beating really, really, really good teams. They had a good game versus Winnipeg. That's great last night. But you know, you beat the Kraken, you beat the Flyers, you beat the Oilers, who are not the same team. Calgary waxes you. You beat the Vancouver Canucks. You lose to the Devils pretty decisively, five to one. Eh, You know, are you beating the really good teams in the East? Are you really? gonna compete when it comes playoff time or are you just gonna make the playoffs with the eighth or seventh seed just get waxed in the first round and away we go we got our stanley cup that's great and this is this is the case the washington capitals and the st louis blues they both won stanley cups they got lucky that's it that was it that was their year we're not going to see him again the same thing's happening with st louis same thing you're done tim it's done Always getting empty net goals and they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be the seventh or eighth seed and they're going to go waxed in the playoffs. And that's it. And then we can rehash this audio next year and we'll use it again next year because we used it last year and we used it the year before. It's the same thing.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, first round
0: matchup. Capitals versus Maple Leafs. Who do you like? Leafs. hundred percent Leafs. I don't know how that's even a, a question. Leafs. Just say that, John. They haven't won anything. They haven't Who? won. The Leafs? At the least they haven't won around. There's no one How in can the you right, pick them over anyone. no one in their right mind that would take the Washington Capitals over the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, in the playoffs. You've got to be uh, nuts. Stop. We're not that I'm podcast. Not. We're not that show. No. Okay. No, there's no one in the East that if I line up for the playoffs, game one, and you obviously you're getting rid of all the the bad teams like the Columbus, Philadelphia, Ottawa, Buffalo. They're they're not making the playoffs. The Rangers, Islanders, Penguins, Hurricanes, Devils, Bruins, Leafs, Lightning, Red Wings, Panthers. All 10 of those teams Don't are, say. Favored, are favored over the Washington Capitals. Without oh. a doubt. Hands down. What, what do you think I was going to say?
1: I thought you said Toronto would absolutely beat at all of those teams. No, no, no. Okay.
0: All those teams are favored against Washington. So to yeah. say that the Capitals are a threat they won't even make the playoffs I don't know why we're even discussing this they're not making the playoffs good for them they're on a winning streak Ovechkin keeps getting empty netters I don't know why I'm dogging him so much because I like him I really do I love his game but I all I got put into this box where I hate Alex Ovechkin and I don't he's a phenomenal player the best goal scorer who's ever graced the ice but I just don't think he's going to break Gretzky's record does that make me a jerk does that make me public enemy number one in Washington all of a sudden like, just am I allowed to have a different opinion? The, Reds, the Red Sea, the Washington Capitals, what a joke. Uh, like, Can you take an iota of criticism or someone having a different view than you? Washington sucks. How about that? They're not going to make the playoffs, <laughs> and they've won four in a row, and they're getting lucky. That's it. Okay? That's how I really feel. But I was trying to be nice. They're a dumpy team, and they'll be lucky to go 500 the rest of the way. They got a murderous role schedule, I bet, coming up because they've just had a cupcake schedule. This is what Tim does. He gives me a little rope and he sits back in his chair and he just watches. And I just start talking and I'm trying to be politically correct and nice. And then I just blow. They play Dallas, Toronto, Detroit, Ottawa's a win, Winnipeg again, the Rangers. They got Montreal buffalo so they they should go 500 of those games because they'll win versus ottawa they'll win versus buffalo they'll sneak one out versus columbus but once it hits the crunch time when their their schedule when they got to go play the islanders and the rangers and the they got colorado they get vegas they get pittsburgh they get toronto again they're gonna lose all they get boston they're gonna carolina florida carolina detroit they're gonna then they get anaheim they're gonna lose all those games and i hope they lose by a lot so Ovechkin doesn't get any empty netters and then he just doesn't score any more goals. Then I can laugh and have a good night's sleep, but I, it's not going to happen. But would you say something? Cause you're just sitting there smirking like a little something, something or other.
1: Yeah, just getting out of the way. Well, yeah, I I don't totally disagree with you. I thought it was worth bringing up because they had they have surprised me. I, I pictured them. I thought they were doing worse than they were, but they're right out of the playoff run. They uh, the playoff picture. They've gone on a little bit of a run here, so something to keep an eye on, I guess, for the for the hockey fan.
0: The well, our thing- listeners, our listeners, let me know if I'm wrong. Let me know, and not the Washington fans because I know you're going to cheer for your team. But everybody else, are you legitimately on board with the Washington Capitals? Being a contender, because I don't think they are. I, I really don't think they are. I think the Penguins are for whatever reason. I, I have that vibe about the Penguins. I don't think Washington is. I think they're old. I think they have a lot of injury concerns. I don't, I'm not in love with their back end. I like Darcy Kempfer, but I, as a whole, I don't, I don't feel threatened by them. So call me crazy. And I, I would love to hear what you have to say. So drop a little comment. I read all the comments. Let me know what you're thinking. And, uh, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it, but I don't think I am. Moving on. What are we talking about Tim?
1: Yeah, another guy that you do like, uh, Tony D'Angelo, or Delangelo, as you like to
0: call him, with a healthy scratch the other night. What uh, What's going on with him? Torts, baby. He's back. He is ch- Philly. After their great start, Torts is trying to send a message because they have just gone sideways. The message is not sinking in. They're not playing the way he wants them to play. And the fall guy right now. It's Tony DeLangelo. So Torts comes out. And he, this is the good and the bad with John Tortorella. I don't know if he has pulled Tony aside. Because he likes to do it on the ice before games. You know, he'll, he'll skate beside you and you'll skate around the rink. Usually, that's not a good sign when the coach grabs you and he's talking to you. That's what Torts does. He doesn't call guys into his office unless it's really, really egregious. He called me into his office once. I was only there for like eight weeks and he called me in. It wasn't great. We had a bit. just... Just an FU match back and forth. It was (laughs) to be a fly in the wall with that one. What was the reason behind that one again? We had a team meeting and he told me in front of the whole team that I was going to be with the black aces and not with the team anymore. It was after the second round in front of the whole team. He's like, John, you're going to be with the black aces. And in front of the whole team, I was like, what the beep? I'm like, you got to be beep and beep. And he goes, come to my office. And so I followed him in there and we just s- screamed at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, Cause I already knew my time in New York was done. I talked to Glenn Sather. He wanted the toughest guy. What did he say? When I walked into his office, I want the toughest guy in the league on my team. And that's you. He said, I'm like, all right, sounds great. I didn't like the city as a whole. I I couldn't do it. So I I already knew I wasn't going back there. So I was like, whatever, man. You're not getting paid in the playoffs. I don't even think I got a playoff share. They went to the Eastern Conference Final. I didn't even get a share of it. That's how it, it ended for me. But anyways, so Torts, he does his business on the ice. Unless it's, you know, he takes you to the office. So he probably grabbed Tony and he just skated on the ice. And he's just like, listen, I... Tony's not known for his defensive zone zone play. Can we agree on that? So I don't know why Torts, this is a surprise to him. He's had time to play with Tony. He's coached him. And so he says, you know, I'm going to scratch you. I don't know how Tony reacted, but after that pregame skate, Torts got up and he said this about Tony Delangelo. He said he was a rover. And sometimes you're a rover as a defenseman. It's in the offensive zone. Well, he was roving all over the place in the defensive zone and no one knew where he's really going to go and check. Shot across the belt. You know, because there's offensive defensemen. There's guys who are given a little bit of a liability, a little bit of a rope in the O zone. The McCars, the Delangelos, the Carlsons, the Foxes. You're allowed to kind of get creative. Well, that rope gets a little bit tighter in the defensive zone. For most players, especially if you're coached by John Tortorella, especially if your team's mired in a massive losing streak. I don't know what they've done in their last 10, but they're 2-5-3 and three in their last 10. They've been struggling. And Torts prides himself on defense, and he can't stand a defenseman that isn't in the right spot at the right time and who's just playing loosey-goosey in the D zone. Guys make it $5 million. Benched him. Healthy scratch. There you go. Sending a message to who? I don't know. This is a John Tortorella that I, I I don't know if he's doing the right thing. He's trying to send a message to the team. He's trying to get them to respond. He's trying to maybe mix things up a little bit. He's He's playing Cam York. A young kid who was picked up in the draft five years ago, giving him a chance. Does does it work, Tim? I don't know. What a guy's. Did do all the guys respond when he does this? Did they go out and win? Was it a great game? No, no, it wasn't. So I don't know. I don't know what the what the answer is. They lose to the Arizona Coyotes, for Pete's sake. The worst, the worst team in the league. Didn't work.
1: Yeah. One of the things I think I've, I've learned over the last couple of years of doing the show is like when stuff like this happens, when, when a player or, or a GM or someone in the front office or whatever calls out a player publicly in the media, it's kind of like it's, it's elevated to that point. Unless it's really egregious or something really bad happened, it's, it's usually not the first time the players heard about it. And so it's kind of like, listen, I've had this conversation with you three times. It hasn't been addressed yet. You haven't made the adjustments. I feel like you'd need to make. Now I'm going to put you on blast publicly a little bit, and that's sort of there's 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 always a backstory to this. There's always context and history here, and I'm sure that's the case with this. I'm sure it's not the first time we had that conversation. And I mean, I don't know. I'm sure it's no big deal, but if, if anything, it's probably just a little embarrassing for D'Angelo, not only to be scratched, but to see those comments. I'm sure he's not going to like lose sleep over it, but it's definitely a little embarrassing. And so hopefully it does a trick again, to what end, to what, what, what's a measurement for success for the Flyers this year? Like, what's their goal at this point in the season, given the start they've had and the, the players they had? I don't know, but I, I would like to think maybe you see a better stretch from D'Angelo when he's back in the lineup. Do you
0: think that's going to happen? Do you think this guy likes to get called out? He's active no. on social media. He, the, I, I would feel like the opposite should have happened, where you pull him aside quietly and you say, you know what? We need more from you. We're going to bump you down to the third pairing. We're going to limit your power play minutes. You need to be better in the defensive zone. That maybe would have been a better way to go about it rather than embarrass him in front I'm of sure everybody. I'm sure he did, though. That's my point. I'm, no, I, I don't he think has. he does. No, I don't think Torts <laughs> does that. I don't. I don't think that's in him. I think he yelled at him in the video room, screamed at him, and he said, "If it happens again, you're done. You're done." That's what torch does. And then he did it again, and he played loosey goosey because that's how he plays his game. And he's done. So he's a healthy scratch. It would have been great if Philly would have won. Then Tony would have been out again. I'm calling him Tony now because I'm self-conscious about his last name because I don't know how to pronounce it. (laughs) It's very
1: easy. Hey, here's a question. Put you on the spot a little bit. Which player in the league is like the the least torch guy possible who's the last guy would want on his team regardless of talent
0: probably like an oliver ekman (laughs) larson on the back end a forward well like an austin matthews or a patrick line a patrick line he had him and we we saw the results of that it's a guy who just uh, like and line is a perfect example where he's like he knows he's a goal scorer he wears a turtleneck like for a reason he wants to stand out he's like i'm gonna score goals man that's what i do He's like, Patrick, play defense I'm gonna he's like I don't, I'm no no I make h i'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna score goals I'm not going to get in the lane and that's all I'm gonna do and they butted heads and Patrick line got traded so John Torres won that battle but he, he that's the type of guy he he just hates but on the other hand, the type of player he loves is like a Travis connect. Guy who's blocking shots and every scrum. He is the epitome. Like a Callahan when he was with the Rangers. That was his guy. Ryan Callahan was the if you could mold a player to be a John Tortorella type player, it was him. So and it's not Tony Delangelo. It ain't him. He it's a Dan Girardi. That that is a John Tortorella type player. You know, it's we'll see how it works. I don't, I don't see the light at the end of this tunnel. They're saving grace. His friend of the show, JVR, his contract's up. So they'll get $7 million back. Maybe they can use that for something else. But other than that, this team is... This team ain't looking good. We don't talk about how bad of a situation they're in. We talk about other teams. They're in a bad situation. Kevin Hayes is locked up. Atkinson's locked up. Konechny, Faraby, Lawton, Delorier, Proverov, Ristelainen, Sandheim. Like, oh, how did Delorie get a 4-year contract? I like Nicky Delorie. I would take I him like on my him team. Too. 4 years though? He's 31. He was he was a coveted free agent. He he is able to keep up arguably top 3 toughest in the league and he can contribute offensively sometimes. He chips in. You know, he's not a liability. I would take him any day of the week. I like the way he plays. Didn't he have a playoff goal last year? I thought he had a I'm hat trick. <laughs> i don't know
1: about that uh you know what i want to talk about nick Felino. and I, okay bruins here we go but listen nick Felino last year basically couldn't have had a worse first year in boston he had two goals 11 and assist, 11 assists he played 62 games Just couldn't have gone worse everyone's saying like get rid of this guy he was healthy scratched a handful of times he was getting overlooked for in in lieu of other guys like Oscar Steen and all these other kids. And then something happened. And he, he spoke this year before the season started about like wanting to be recognized and remembered as a, as a player that he is and a goal scorer. And after coming off a two goal season, it's kind of a bold thing to say he could not look like more like a different player this year, the confidence, the way he's skating with the puck, he's got 14 points in 27 game, which is 43 point pace, which is, I would easily take that from him. But it's the way that he's playing he's playing physical, he's creating chaos and disruption in the offensive zone and the four check. he's out there killing penalty. he's on the second power play unit. he's can completely earn the trust of, of Jim Montgomery and I think vice versa because Montgomery's clearly gotten something more out of him than than um uh Cassidy, Cassidy. Was. And I, honestly, you could say that about just about every player um and like critical scenarios late in the game, you need an extra goal, you need a penalty killed, that sort of stuff. Foligno has emerged as one of those type of guys, and I think he's got the IQ and everything too to to do well in those types of situations. And now he went from being like, "Can't wait till he's out of here. We should buy him out." That was that was heard over the summer, and now he's he's adored by Bruins fans, and he's also like a, one of the clear chemistry locker room personality guys. They all love him. The goalies love him. He's like the third goalie. That whole goalie hug they do. He's always the one. He's always right there. It's just pretty cool to see a guy can kind of come back after a really bad year last year.
0: Yeah, he was put on waivers to start the season. Any team could have grabbed him. Nobody took him. So and I, what's the key to the Bruins here? In in your eyes, is it the just better player of their third and fourth line? Is it the fact that they get Krejci back and their first line is a little more stable now? Jake DeBrus continuing his success after the end of last year. What's the key here to this team's success so far?
1: Well, it is all of those things, but all of those things can can take a step further. It's because of Jim Montgomery. Honestly, he's getting things out of these players. Talk about going from good to great, like, Pasta, Marshawn, Burge, you know they're going to do their thing. McAvoy, you know he's going to do their thing. But the way that he's getting stuff, way better production and performance out of guys like Debrusque and Trent Frederick and Carlo and Lindholm, what a revelation this guy has turned out to be. And then goalies, it's just it's it's Montgomery's system. It's it's the system, it's the energy. They're creating offense and they're thinking about um way different ways to score rather than overthinking like they're responsible two-way type of play um, because they already have the type of personalities, but they're not going to get reckless anyway, no matter what the system is. So let them, let them play a little bit. And this is the result. So I think all that credit has to go to Montgomery.
0: Yeah. The depth is he's really unlocked the depth. I think the way he's kind of, and he hasn't like reinvented the wheel and moved the lineup around. He, he's still got Bergeron, Marshawn and posture and I playing together, but just the luxury, I think of having create to solidify that second line and having Jake DeBrusk, like you said, playing better. Taylor hall is having a great season. I, I, and they I have really...
1: him on the third line now. Like, they're they're really balancing that out. And they've gotten Zaka. They brought Zaka up to Krejci's yeah. line. And then sometimes they put Pastanak and Dubrosk. They flip them. They can do a lot of different combinations. Hall loves playing with Coyle and Frederick. And then you put out a fourth line that has Polino, like we just
0: mentioned. It's just, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot it's of, fun, a lot right of fun to watch. And the defense is playing great. And obviously, we talk about the goaltenders quite a bit. But it's just, tell you what, the, the Bruins, if they're not, the number one seed going into the playoffs they're darn close because they're playing, they're playing really good hockey and they're, they're beating everybody. They're winning all types of ways too, which is, which is really important to me.
1: Remember like two weeks ago, we talked about their tough schedule coming up and kind of a gauntlet they had with Vegas and Colorado and some other tough teams. And I was thinking, you know, given the way they had been playing and, and, I thought maybe they'd go 500 and I'd be fine with that. And then they'll get back into their winning raise. They went seven and two down the stretch and the, the games they lost was, uh, Vegas and, uh, which was kind of an emotional game with Cassidy back in Boston. And then the other it was the last night against Arizona or two nights ago, which is a weird game. They lost off a really weird turnover. Did you see that?
0: Now, was that in Arizona, Tim, that, that loss?
1: I think it was, I don't remember. Um, but it was a weird play where there was uh they thought it was going to be an icing. It didn't get, called and then they turned over the puck and it was i mean a bad play bad play kind of fluky but still seven and two down that stretch uh even to a team that you should have lost i should have beat it's just nothing to scoff at so they they can beat anyone that's the tell you what, colorado twice
0: i'll tell you what's happening we saw it with vegas when they became a team it's the home ice advantage for the uh, arizona coyotes everybody when they used to play arizona they'd go and stay in glendale they'd stay right beside the rink you couldn't do anything they had a couple restaurants there and that was it. It was a good half an hour, 40 minute drive. If you wanted to go anywhere, if you wanted to go into Phoenix, if you wanted to go into Scottsdale, it was a long drive. Guess what? Now you're in Tempe. Now you're right downtown. You can get anywhere and you can get anywhere quick. You're Pretty much on campus. The Boys are going out when they go to Arizona. That's what it is. You get out of the cold weather. You go to Arizona, you have a couple of days. You're going to play the Coyotes. It's an easy game. It is a cupcake of a game. Everybody's hung over when they play the games. That's it. I, I would like to know Arizona's home record because I bet you it's better than the road record because the same thing when Vegas came into the league, everybody talked about it. Everybody was warned about it. And then the, sure enough, they were just There's flying at home. Three, two, and one at home. Well, they're over, they're over 500. And they beat 13. some good teams at home.
1: For a team that's 9-13-4 in the year, that's a pretty solid home stretch.
0: They're over 500 at home. And I know they haven't played much because they had to do the epic epic road trip because they didn't have their ish together, their locker rooms and that stuff. They played six games, and they're over 500. It's because teams go there. They have a rookie party. They have a couple of beers. Maybe they're not flying as much as they would be, and they lose. It's, you know, it's okay. It's okay, but that's why Boston lost. They got out of Boston, they went to Arizona. I guarantee you they had their rookie party. The boys went out, got a little sideways, and they lost a the game. I, I would bet money on it, Tim. Bet money that it happened. I don't know. I'm not a Boston insider. I wish I knew some, but that without a doubt, that's what happened. And you know what they did when they were there? Save a little money. You think they'd go to a fancy steakhouse? No, they just used DoorDash to the hotel. That's what they did. Boston Bruins, those cheap son of a guns. And guess what? You can be like the Boston Bruins, too. You can get some deals when you're in Scottsdale and you're watching the Arizona Coyotes play on anything you want. You can order burgers. You can order beers. You can order pasta. You can order pizza. DoorDash will get it to you. They get it to your door, your hotel, wherever you're staying. Even if you're in a car in a parking lot, they'll deliver it to you. And guess what? Even more. You can get a good deal. Use our promo code GlovesDDUS. Or if you're in Canada, GlovesDD, you get 25% off, you get free delivery. You guys know, you guys know the deals. You listen to me every single week, talk about this deal. So just use it. It's fantastic. I love DoorDash. Tim loves DoorDash. It's a, it's a heck of a deal. You're not going to find this deal anywhere else in the world. I think don't quote me on that, but use DoorDash, use our promo code GlovesDDUS if you're in the U.S. of A and GlovesDD if you're in Canada. It's just fun, Tim. And just, you're getting food. What, what? bad can go from that and you know who needs to use doordash is these three people coming up because they're gonna they're gonna be losing some money from their suspensions they're gonna be a little light in the loafers or in the wallet what does light in the loafers mean i don't know light in the wallet the pocketbook who's getting suspended who's who's georgie perro suspending
1: yeah a couple of naughty boys jeff skinner You got three game for cross-checking drink etzel in the face which was a that was the worst one that we're going to talk about that was pretty egregious one of those heat of the moment emotions getting the best of you. I'm sure Gensel had something snarky to say, but yeah, cross-check him right basically in the teeth. Um, so he gets three games for that. And then there was another one, Alexiak, three games for a hit to the head on this kid, Alexiev. Um,
0: did you see that hit? What did you think of that one? He picked his head. It, it is what it is. He went in for the hit. The guy kind of stopped up to try to avoid the hit. And Alexiak, he's a big boy. Hit him in the head. It it was it was a suspension. It wasn't as bad as when I don't want to bring it about me, but it wasn't as bad as when I hit Erickson. I got seven games. I'll say that. But he gets seven, rightfully so. He picked his head. Uh, two good suspensions. I think those are legit. Three games. I like I like what Georgie did with those.
1: Yep, and then the last one, Engval for Toronto got one game for high sticking. Sean Derzy for
0: the Kings, another one I thought was totally fair. Totally fair. The one that was the Skinner one was consequential. Buffalo was playing a really good game to that point. Takes that penalty, lets Pittsburgh back into the game. I think Buffalo ended up winning that game in overtime. I can't remember, but yeah. Crosby made a heck of a play in that game where he kept the puck in at the blue line. He kind of slid across, pad the stacked the pads, and threw a pass across. It ended up getting, I don't know who scored the goal for them, but it was a heck of a play from Sidney Crosby. Gosh, that guy's 35 years old. Unbelievable. Still playing fantastic. Well, all right, Tim, let's do some quick hits and get out of here. What are we doing?
1: Yeah, you mentioned Matthew Kachuk earlier, how he's thriving with his new team. He, as of Saturday, he had 37 points in 25 games, which is the most ever in franchise history at this point in the season. More than Huberdell, more than Barkov, more than Jokin and whoever else, including Pavel Bure. And so really good start for him. Matthew Kachuk has not slowed down whatsoever. Another thing, this cool story. Yarmy Yager, did you see this? He uh, basically he he's coaching slash owning slash you know everything else for this team. claudno out oh, in the uh, Czech League. They had an illness running through the team, and a bunch of guys had already uh, been sick. They'd already forfeited, I think, at least one game. So Yager comes in and he steps in and skates for him. Fifty years old. He had two assists in his debut. Just
0: the legend just keeps on growing with this guy. Let me pose this question to you. Yes. <laughs> You're Liberic going into Kladno. You see Jarmer Jagr cutting across the middle. You're a defenseman. You could bury him. He is a legend in the Czech Republic. You would be kicked You'd be kicked out of the country. What do you do? Do you hit him? Do you let him enter the zone? Any other guy, you'd light him up. What kind of treatment do you think Jagr gets in those games? Is it like when Putin plays... In the Russian games, when nobody touches him and he gets seven goals, what do you think? Is anybody checking Yagar at fifty years old in that league when he could just buy the whole league and shut it down? I mean, I don't think
1: anyone's trying to throw this huge open ice his to try to bury him. I don't think they're going that easy on him too, because if you if you go easy on him, he's going to score on you. You know what I mean? Or he's going to—he had two assists in this game. He can—he'll—he'll turn it into offense if you give him room. So you have to take him out. But I don't think you do anything to try to hurt him or anything. Okay, so you give him a little room because he's
0: Yeggs. A little, a little, just a little. What about you? I'd hit him. you go harder. I would. Why not? It's a, He's a living legend. Well, it's just like I play men's league. Everybody goes, I get the puck, and all of a sudden I got four guys on me. I'm like, you guys, like, just play normal. They know the rest of my team can't finish. Oh, man, last night we lost four to one, and I don't try that hard. I go, like, 30%. I go 40% sometimes. Some guy was just chirping at me. I, but anyways, I, I gave just, I would say 12 to 20 passes in the slot for my team. Breakaways. Not one goal. I was just like, come on, you guys. You need me? You need me on your team? Would you score? Then yes, I, I could use you. But we need some goal scorers. That's that's our issue. We have a lot of, we got a lot of effort. Effort's there. <laughs> a lot of heart and soul. A lot of cash We're all Swedish. No finish.
1: Uh, a couple more quick hits here. Jack Hughes. This is a really cool stat. He finished Friday night's game with a shift that was more than six minutes long, which is the longest recorded in NHL history. However, they've only been recording this for like less than 20 years. So it's not like it goes way, way back. And I'm sure you can. Those those older guys didn't come off the ice. But still, in this modern age, playing six minutes straight to finish out a game is pretty special. Part of that was in special teams. And he just couldn't get off for whatever reason
0: um but really cool to see well and this wasn't six consecutive minutes there was a stoppage of play they probably threw in a timeout in there so right i don't know probably
1: probably but but, no but if that was the case why wouldn't you take him off after he played for two minutes straight because he's your best
0: offensive player you give him a little breather that's what you do but i don't i don't think that's a record you want to be associated with. It's like how pissed are you if you have Nico Hirshire and you're waiting to go on and you're like, Jack, I'm like, my legs over the board. It's like, let's go. No, nah, I'm good. It's, you've been sucking wind for the last three minutes, Jack, change it up.
1: Yeah. A couple more here real quick. Linus Olmark. We talked about him. The Bruins already. He's 16 and one on the year. It, if the Bruins have lost, it's usually because Swayman's in net. And I don't say that in a dagger way, friend of the show. He's a good goalie, but, but Olmark has been incredible this year. That one loss was a two to one loss in Toronto. So yeah, just, just next level lights out. And then finally we have the board of governors meeting this weekend. The owners are all down in Florida, big kind of high level league stuff. And it's brought to my attention that this is the 30th anniversary of Gary Bettman being the commissioner of the league. And I thought maybe you'd have a, a few words to uh, recognize the moment.
0: Well, the owners love him he's done his job for the owners. He's absolutely ruined He's ruined hockey in a lot of ways. And he, I, this is just an example of Gary Bettman. So the Ottawa Senators are for sale. Ryan Reynolds wants to be a part of the ownership group. He he is an Ottawa Senator's a fan, apparently. I thought he was from Vancouver. So Bettman is talking to every single owner saying he would really like it if Ryan Reynolds was a part of your ownership group, almost making it a necessary attachment to their deal. And it's like, what do we like now we're in the Ryan Reynolds business where we have to have a celebrity. we got Drake with the Raptors. We got Ryan Reynolds. Like, he's just, oh, we got to make NHL more popular. So we got to bring in this, this celebrity. It's just, and is it me? Yes. Or does, it is. Yes. I, I'm losing favor with Ryan Reynolds. Cause he seems like he's everywhere. He's got the gin. He's got this mint mobile. He's just, He's just everywhere. The nowadays. soccer team. The yeah. soccer team. I'm just getting sick of him. His his little, you know, sarcastic, self-deprecating jokes. I'm like, you're handsome. You're worth a gazillion dollars. Stop being self-deprecating. Just, I don't know. I, I'm losing favor with Ryan Reynolds. And I know he's a Canadian treasurer. I get that. But I'm just like, stop showing up everywhere. Now he's going to, now he has to own the Ottawa Senators, even though he's a Canucks fan. Or he should, because I think he's from out west. <laughs> I don't know. I'm the Batman That was a douche, but you get him on the show. He'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to talk to him. But 30 years, that must be the longest tenured commissioner in sports history, I would imagine, in modern day.
1: In the article I read, there was a a picture of them opening up the the new garden, I think, in Boston, and it was Jeremy Jacobs with Bettman, and um, who was the NBA commissioner before the current one? I don't remember. Sterling. Um, Stern. 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 Yeah. And yeah. And plenty of, you mentioned that the, the owners love him plenty of nice quotes from, from Jacobs in that article. Well, popular. Jacobs
0: and him are just like, I'm not going to say what I want to say, but they're just like birds of a feather. The, Jacobs is another guy who could go away and I wouldn't be upset. He ruins negotiations every single year. He's an awful owner, absolutely awful owner, but that's a whole other podcast for a whole other show. It's just, and he's a Bruins, uh, just Jack Edwards, that whole organization. They don't deserve. Did you see Zdeno Chara's comments about Vancouver? We didn't touch on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We touched on it briefly. With did Bo you hear Paghi. BX's rebuttal? Loved
0: it. Yeah. Call word by word, dismantling of everything. Chara yeah. said. Chara looks like such a dummy. Like why even a bring it up? And wh- what's the end game here? What's the, to, to embarrass the Canucks, to pour salt in the wounds. It's like, just take your ring, you, you big dummy, like, why would you say that?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he made it up, I believe, I believe, even though you can he changes his story throughout the his story, because first it says, "We saw, and then he says, "We were told, and it doesn't but you just
0: said up. you don't think he made it up.
1: I don't think he made it up. I don't think he made it up. And then I don't you think just he
0: contradicted would. that when he just said he just I'm presenting changed evidence. His story. To- It's nuanced, John. Not everything's black and white like you want it to be. I don't think he ate the donut, but he had chocolate on his fingers and crumbs on his face. But I'm pretty (laughs) sure he didn't eat the donut.
1: That's uh, Dad investigating right there. Did you eat the last cookie?
0: No. No. No, No, it wasn't me. What's that (laughs) in your mouth? Not cookie. Open your mouth. It's cookie. That's you. You're just defending Char to the bitter end, even though he's just like so egregiously wrong and lying. Whatever. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We appreciate your support. Check us out on Wednesday. We'll talk to you then. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.